Join me in giving Jesus some praise this morning. Come on, he's worthy of it. Even in the hard days, he's worthy of it. And uh, we just continue to praise him. Well, thank you so much for being here today. My name is Adam Harold. My adorable wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this church called The Refuge. Uh, we do it together as a team. She plays the keyboard sometimes, and I preach. Sometimes she, I, she preaches, and I play the keyboard. No, I don't ever play the keyboards, but uh, you're, you're welcome for that. Yeah, thank you. Um, but we do it together as a team, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing to put yourself in position for God to use use you and put you in position for him to do a miracle like we just sang. And um, that's what we're witnessing. And it's so, so much fun. Yesterday, we uh, got to love on the community with our um, Halloween event. I'm just going to call it what it is. Um, Heroes of Refuge City. We had kids come in. I bet we had, I told our team, it was at least close to a thousand people come through these doors just to, to get get uh, candy and 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 coffee at the cafe. It was just, it was a great day. So if you participated or if you helped, thank you so much for doing that. I want to say thank you. Um, today we are in week three of a six-week series that we're calling The Prodigal. It's all about the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15. You can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Uh, or you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app, uh, the YouVersion app. Uh, we have the, all of today's notes, and uh, you can follow along with, with everything that we, that we have on there. Um, the Prodigal Son is my, my favorite, my personal favorite Bible story. And um, it's, it's a story that's a parable. A parable was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning that Jesus told. He was a master at it. He was a master storyteller conveying truths that sometimes people didn't quite understand. And the truths that he, that he talked about, he did it um, 30 times, over 30 times he told parables to, to explain heavenly truths. And this is one of those stories. I, I think it's funny that my favorite Bible story is actually a fiction. I tell my wife it's because I'm a romantic at heart, right? I'm, I like novels, I guess. I don't, I don't really read novels. But, um, but I, I, I love the, the ideas that, that are presented in this story because Jesus uses culture um, of the day and of the region uh, to portray many spiritual truths. That's why we can do a, a series that lasts six weeks, right? Because there are so many, the, the depth of this story portrays so many truths that we can, that we can really uh, digest. And um, week one, we talked about the reason he's telling the story. This was two weeks ago. The reason he's telling the story is because some religious guys called Pharisees came to him and accused him and, and really condemned him for sitting and eating with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus responds by telling them three stories. One's the story of the lost sheep. The second story is the lost coin. And the third one is the lost son. And the whole point of all these stories is to rejoice Jesus receives sinners. And the reason we rejoice in the midst of Jesus receiving sinners is because 
I don't know about y'all, but I'm a sinner. <laughs> and if Jesus receives sinners, then that means he receives me. And so the point is rejoice. I received sinners last week. Our big idea wasn't that he just received sinners, but he also does it freely. Our big idea was that God grants us freedom, even freedom to reject his love. That is really important to understand because oftentimes when my kids reject my love, I say, doors shut, don't come home. <laughs> I don't really say that, by the way. I love my kids, but they would never reject my love. Okay, they would. Last week in our scripture that we looked at, we read about the death wish that this man has, this young son. So how many sons did the father have? Two sons. Thank you for coming back this week. He had two sons. One was older, one was younger. The younger son wished that his dad was dead by saying, Dad, I want my share of my inheritance now. I want my share of your property now. And the only time someone would receive, receive an inheritance is after their parents have died. So he's saying to his dad, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want my money now. And then the scripture tells us that he sold quickly. Now, the reason we know he sold quickly was because back in the New Testament, they didn't have trust funds. I know that's a shock to some of us. They didn't have trust funds. They had property and houses and land and cattle. And they would, they would sell the property in order to receive the money. And so what happens when he receives his, his share of the estate, his share of the property, he has to liquidate. In verse 13, we're going to read in just a moment, but it says he left town a few days later, meaning that he sold low. He sold fast. He didn't wait for the best offer. We can relate, to, some of us can relate to that in this hot, this hot market of real estate, right? He sold fast. He got money fast. And what this does is, if you understand real estate, is it drives the value of everyone else's house in town down. It drives the value down. And so this morning we pick up reading in verse 13. It says, a few days later, which I just talked about, this younger son packed all of his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About this, the time that his money ran out, perfect timing, right? A great famine swept over the land. And the man began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became, became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding, the pigs, looked good to him. 
but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, Self? (laughs) At home, even the hired servants have good enough to spare, enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home. By the way, this tells us his father was rich, right? The wealthy had servants. Verse 18, I will go home and I'll, and to my father I will say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a servant. Now I would like, like I said last week, there are oftentimes in this story when we just read it, we don't really get the context. I, I pointed out one place that we just read over, right? The, the fact that they have servants means that the father was rich because rich people had servants. And so we pick up in verse 13 today. We're going to digest this verse by verse that we just read. Um, there's a few chunks that we'll read at a time, but verse 13 I want to look at real quick. A few days later, this young, younger son packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land. There he wasted his money on wild living. We said last week in this verse, he sold quick. So I want to turn our attention to this word that we've labeled this story prodigal. Did you, have you noticed when we read these, this, these scriptures, the word prodigal doesn't appear. We don't read the word prodigal at all, but we've labeled it prodigal. Now, and I think in the New Living Translation that I'm reading this morning, I think it labels the three stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and lost son. But in the English Standard Version, I think it labels them the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And so we've labeled this story the prodigal, but the question is, why do we call it the prodigal, and what does prodigal even mean? Well, the word prodigal means wasteful. And it says here that he wasted his money on wild living. But he also wasted it. It also tells us where he wasted it. Where did he waste the money with wild living? He did it in a distant land. Now, this tells us a lot about the story. Because a distant land would indicate that his people weren't there. His people being Jews. So he goes to a different, distant land amongst Gentiles. Now today, unfortunately, I don't have to get into the depths of how much Jews hate Gentiles. Because on the surface, we look at the news and we see that Jews don't like Gentiles. You want to know why Israel and Gaza are at war? Because for centuries, Jews and Gentiles haven't gotten along. And so for centuries, these wars have gone on. And so what would happen if a young man, or or anyone for that matter, would go and waste their money in wild living amongst Gentiles 
what culture told us or tells us is that there's a ceremony amongst Jewish villages known as the Kazaza ceremony. Now, you can fact check me, by the way, you have my permission to fact check me every Sunday. Fact check me at any moment. Just don't tell me I was wrong. Just don't come and tell me the results, right? You can do that, by the way. Just send me an email at tanya at refugemain.church. The Kazaza ceremony, it's a piece of this culture that we don't understand. What happens if someone wastes their money amongst Gentiles is they would come home and the entire village would meet them at the, at the gate with clay pots held over their, their, their heads. Hey, Johnny, go get the clay pot. He's coming home. They go and get the clay pot, and as the boy walks through the streets, they throw the clay pots at his feet, yelling, Adam Harold is cut off. Maybe not Adam Harold, but you get the point. The person in the story, so-and-so, is cut off, meaning that they aren't welcome in this town any longer. The younger son knows as he sits there, miserable, he knows that if I go home, a kazaza ceremony is waiting for me. And in this, he finds himself desperate. His, his trip home would cost him a lot. The last thing that verse 13 tells us is that he wasted his money on wild living. Now, notice what it does not say. It doesn't say what I was taught in Sunday school, that he wasted it partying with prostitutes. I didn't learn about the prostitutes part in Bible school, in Sunday school, by the way, because uh, that wouldn't work on flannel graph. <laughs> any, any flannel graph? Flannel graph, anybody? All right, yeah, don't, don't, don't go there image-wise. Sorry, I went there. All right, so here's what happens. Got to move on. He doesn't waste it with prostitutes. He wastes it with wild living. But why do we think that he wasted it with prostitutes? Well, it's because his older brother says to his dad at the end of the story, when I've done nothing but follow your rules and obey you, you didn't even throw me a party with a young goat. And while this son of yours is out partying with prostitutes, you welcome him with a fattened calf? And so what happens is we form this narrative in our mind that the, that the prodigal son was out partying with prostitutes. But really all it tells us is that he was wasted it with wild living. Now, culture would have told us that Jews in this day probably would have used the money, if they used it extravagantly, they would use it to impress people because they wanted to look important. So the, the truth is, is that he probably went to the foreign land and he, he made himself look important, which is kind of what we do today, isn't it, with our money? We tend to make ourselves look more important than we really are. And so 
he wastes it on wild living and he becomes desperate. You know, back to thinking about how we think that he did what the older brother accused him of, it makes me think of today's culture. In our highly politicized culture, we have a tendency to formulate opinions based on headlines, not articles. We have, our, we have a tendency to formulate what we think based on what we want to hear and what we read in a headline and not, not the truth. And it reminds me of James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 that says, Understand this, dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. If we're going to care for people in tragedy, we have to be slow to listen. Sorry, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Look at verse 14 of the text in Luke 15. About the time his money ran out. Are you still with me? Did I lose you on any of that? Okay, good. About this time the money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Desperate people do desperate things. Unfortunately, this morning, I don't have to get into a whole lot of detail about how desperate the things are that desperate people do. The younger son was desperate. So desperate, he became a beggar. Dr. Bailey, in his book, The Cross and the Prodigal, writes, and he says that the word used, the word translated in the scripture that we read this morning was the word persuaded. But the original Greek word there is the word kaleo. The word kaleo is where we get the word glue from. And what kaleo means is that they would glue, he would glue himself to the farmer. And so it wasn't just that he persuaded the farmer to hire him. It was that he glued himself to this farmer. And Bailey goes on to describe what this looks like. He says, in a city, in a crowded city center, you park your car and a man appears. He opens the door for you and ferociously starts cleaning the window that's already clean. And he, as you walk to the store, he grabs the bags out of your hands and he walks alongside of you. And as you put your purchases at the counter and you pay for them, he picks them up and puts them in the bag and carries them out to your car before you have a chance to. 
And when you get to your car, he gives you the things, but he also hands out his hand. And he expects to what? What does he expect? He expects to get paid. He expects to get paid handsomely for his um, devotion to you. You know what that farmer did? You know what that farmer got? He got kaleoed. Right? He got, he got glued to. And this younger son glues himself to this farmer as a beggar. But the farmer doesn't want anything to do with it. You know how we know the farmer doesn't want anything to do with it? Because he gave him a job that no one in that culture would ever want to do to feed the pigs. He's like, surely if I tell this guy, you know what, fine, I've got some pigs you can feed. He's going to be like, shoot, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. But the younger son, he does it. He feeds the pigs. Why? Because he's desperate. And desperate people do desperate things. Just how desperate was he? He was so desperate that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked appetizing. The problem was that his human stomach wouldn't digest the pods that the pigs ate. Only pig stomachs would do that. And so he became jealous of the swine that he was feeding. Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses in his desperation... Can I tell you something? We don't come to our senses in desperation. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. Now, for centuries, many people translated the words, finally he came to his senses, to the word repented. But did the young son, did he really repent? Let me explain that for you. He was desperate. Now, I believe that desperation is able to lead us to repentance. However, it's a matter of what you're desperate, what you're desperate for. What are you desperate for this morning? You see, the word desperate, it means loss of hope. And so the desperation that this young son was experiencing was a loss of hope. What was he hoping for? He was hoping to have his belly full. He wasn't hoping to have his relationship with his dad restored. He was only hoping to have his belly full. And what does this hope for food lead him to think? This hope for food leads him to think about the servants at his dad's house, that even they have enough food to spare. They have leftovers. And I got nothing. And so he forms this speech in his head. Thinking about the servants, he forms this speech in his head. I believe this speech in, this, in the middle of this story of the prodigal son 
teaches us the culture of how people look at God's love. This is the way, I believe this is the way a lot of people look at God's love. Let's read it, verse 18. Thinking about the servants, he says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. The younger son thought that the only way to his father was if he were to pay him back. He thought his ticket home was to become a servant, not realizing that he was still a son. He thought that his ticket had to be paid for not realizing that his ticket was free. Isn't this the way we feel about God's love oftentimes? We often think that we have to say the right things, do the right things, be a good person, and if we're good enough, then God's going to love us back. How arrogant are we to think that we could be good enough to earn God's love? Are you with me? Did I lose you? But the question that we get to is why? Why did the younger son think that he had to earn his father's love? And it leads me to today's big idea. And I believe, I've said this in the last two services, I believe that this big idea has the ability to transform our church if we grasp it, if we get a hold of it, it's powerful. The big idea, if I had one thing that I want to communicate to you today, it's this one thing. God's desire for us is that we would be sons, not servants. God's looking for sons and daughters, not servants. And to conclude today's message, I want to give you three things about servanthood that I hope will inspire us to choose being a son or a daughter instead of choosing to be a servant. This is a mindset shift. We have to shift our mindset. The first thing about servants I want you to see this morning is that servants do not live in the same house as the father does. They don't live in the same house as the father. In our story, what this communicates to us is that if the younger son goes and becomes a servant of the father, he doesn't have to live with his older brother. And he gets to avoid the conflict that his sin created. And oftentimes I think that we just want to be good to earn God's love because that avoids the conflict that our sin creates. And the conflict of sin is a broken relationship. It's not the thing that we did 
It's the broken heart of a father that loves us so much. Number two. So one is servants don't live in the same house of the father. Number two. Servants get paid a wage. The reason that this is important is because the reason that he wanted to earn the father's, the, he, he wanted to, to work for him and become a servant is because he thought he could pay his dad back. Listen, the younger son doesn't understand it yet. He's not there yet. He still thinks the problem is the money. Not the broken heart of the father that loves him so much. I hope my prayer for the Refuge Church is that we will be people that do what we do as sons and daughters and not servants of God. And the reason for that is, is number three. So, quick review. One, servants don't stay in the same house as the father. By the way, sons want to be in the house with the father. Can I say that? Which is why it's so important to be in the house of God. Sons are in his house. All right. Number two, servants are paid a wage. Number three, servants have masters, not fathers. Servants have bosses, not dads. I want to be a church filled with sons and daughters that serve our Father together to please Him. Not that we have to, because He loves us regardless. But when you experience the love of a loving Father, you just want to please Him. And here, son, I'm so proud of you. The reason that my family moved to start this church was because we just wanted God to look at us and say, I'm proud of you. When you crave, son, I'm proud of you, you do some off the wall things to make your dad proud. Servants have masters. Sons have fathers. This is what the younger son anticipates when he gets home. The master waiting for him. Because he thought that he threw sonship out the door. And he thought that the only way home was to be a servant. The younger son doesn't get it yet. He thinks the issue is money. He doesn't realize the problem is the broken heart. Can I say that this is how we view sin? We, we think that the issue is cheating. We think that the issue is drunkenness. We think that the issue is pornography. 
We think that that's the issue. That's not the issue. The issue is God's heart is broken. Servants of God. Ask God, God, is this wrong? But you know what sons ask? God, does this break your heart? Stop asking the question, is this a sin or is this right or wrong? And start asking, what does this do to my dad's heart? Let me tell you, if that doesn't change the way you live, I don't know what will. If it's wrong, the result of the wrongdoing is punishment or even prison. But if it breaks your father's heart, the father's door remains open. If it breaks the father's heart, he remains open and the son is always welcome home. That's, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Stand on your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. So the question today is simple. Are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? Have you given him your heart? Do you live to please him? Maybe you are a son or a daughter of God and you haven't quite lived to please him. What are some things that you need to do to change to please him? Maybe you're here and you don't belong to God at all because you've never called on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. I want you to know his door is always open. In a moment, we're going to we got some doors to my right, to your left. We're going to open those doors. If there is, listen, there's so much heartache in the room this morning. I know that. Listen, those people in that room would love nothing more than to pray with you this morning, to bring your burdens before the Lord, to, to have you lean on them. But the most important thing this morning if you are not a son or daughter of God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus, that you become a son or daughter of God. If you would like to become a son of God, then I want to ask you to say this prayer with me, but to believe it in your heart. If you don't believe it, don't say it. Say, God, I know that I've done wrong. And I know that me doing wrong has caused your heart to break. God, I'm sorry. 
please forgive me for breaking your heart. And thank you, God, that in your broken heart, you left the door open by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, to forgive me of my sin so that I can be brought back into relationship with you. God, come into my life. Give me new, fresh identity in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm so glad you came. Are you glad you came to church this morning? The doors are open for you to get prayer, to go and talk to somebody. If you said that prayer of me, there's a card in front of you. Fill it out, mark it, take it to the room, fill it out, mark it. They've got a Bible that they want to give you if you said that prayer. Um, if you didn't say that prayer and you need a Bible, go get a Bible. We, we don't want anybody never to not have a, a, a copy of God's Word. We felt like this morning the most appropriate song to end on would be It Is Well. We're going to sing it together and we'll be dismissed.